0: Hi, I hope everything's good. My name is Tom. Welcome to Too Much for 10 Seconds. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about Captain Marvel, the newest Marvel Studios film, and the only Marvel film this year before freaking Avengers Endgame is released, and it's set in the 1990s, so if you're really a very nostalgic type of person, then Captain Marvel might be the film for you. I don't think it's the traditional origin story, because what you perceive as the present as in The present in the film in the 90s is interwoven with flashbacks. The flashbacks aren't just like, here's a flashback, or I'm having a flashback. They're more organic than that. Not only like when I say organic do I mean like just that the structure of the film is really good, I also mean that the kind of different way they sort of present the flashbacks to you in different ways, and there's all different devices being used to present them to you, so it all feels very fluid, very organic. I don't want to spoil it. It's so tricky to talk about Marvel films without spoiling them. But what I will say is that the structure is really brilliant. There's particularly there's a particular moment fairly early on, in, early on in the film that really enhances this film. Uh, that all of the structure enhances the film. But there's there's a bit really early on in the film. I thought it was really really uh, well done. Like very very clever and a fairly unique sort of thing that I've not really seen done in too many films. That I was kind of surprised to see. Um And all these types of things kind of help it avoid being a very generic origin story. They all play their part in doing that as well as a bunch of other things that are going on. As far as Marvel films go, uh, in terms of twists, I'd say this has possibly the most and it surprised me on two or three occasions. These twists are welcome and brave. I love a film with a twist. I'm a big fan of films like The Usual Suspects and just twists all over. The Prestige, massive twist. Anything like that that have got some sort of twist that where you're led down one path and then something happens, and not only does that thing happen, but it's welcome and you're not like freaking angry about it. I'm a fan of the directors Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck because of the films Mississippi Grind, which stars uh, Mr. Deadpool himself, Ryan Reynolds, alongside Ben Mendelsohn, who also stars in Captain Marvel. And they've also directed another film I really like called It's Kind of a Funny Story, starring Emma Roberts and Zach Galifianakis. They come from a strong background of independent filmmaking, as is the way with a lot of Marvel Studios directorial hiring. Just think, Thor: Ragnarok. We had Taika Waititi. We've also had James Gunn, who directed Guardians of the Galaxy volumes one and two. Ryan Coogler directed Black Panther, who previously directed Fruitvale Station with Michael B. Jordan starring. Marvel Studios genuinely care about ca- character development and character-focused films, and it helps if this is the re- and it helps that this is the reason, especially recently. I re- I really feel like Marvel were sort of great anyway, but. Like after the likes of like Thor Ragnarok and Spider Man Homecoming, uh, which was again directed by another um, independent filmmaker John Watts, who had previously directed Cop Cop Car starring Kevin Bacon, uh, you get this. I get this feeling with these films that they're not just. M- you know, a big spectacle and not just um, an easy cash grab. They're the very, very character-led and character-focused and, are, and they're really honing in on developing the characters and making characters relatable so that you can feel what they're feeling and and like them in some sort of way. Something which really is refreshing about the film is that the MCU was a whole, you know, the, the, this, like this, as a whole, there's plenty of humour in it and I don't recall too many of the characters actually smiling despite all of the humor, but Carol Danvers is just abundant with it like just jokes and genuine smiles and laughter and it's just nice to see a character who's enjoying being a superhero like there was a there was a line in the trailer where where Samuel L. Jackson, um, Nick Fury says that he he asks Carol Danvers um so you're part of this group of of noble warriors and then Carol Danvers steps in and um, actually sort of jokingly corrects him and says, noble warrior heroes and then smiles there's just like little tiny things like that um and then there's a bunch of more obvious things that i just i don't don't know it's just nice to see soup like you know people smiling which is probably weird to say now i've said it but like i hope you get what i mean there's it's nice to see people smile in films it's like real life unless you you know there's something kind of wrong then you probably would be happy seeing someone smile that's the kind of thing I'm trying to say i think one like one particular advantage of this film is that the comedy elements established from James Gunn and take a white e t and the whole like cosmic side of the MCU, um you know that like it sort of like helps you in normalizing the all of the aliens and things like that because comedies like a worldwide thing um and so i think i do believe that all of the cosmic things that have happened in the mcu all of the cosmic films set in space or around space all of the characters when you think about it they've all got something kind of quirky about them kind of funny um and i, th- I think that's just so you you know so you're not completely to use you know for use of that word alienated by them um and that kind of carries on that sort of theme of humour with the aliens, but also really does build upon it um and hone, hones in on like what's good and also adds to that sort of like character of of um you know, making the cosmic side of things humorous. Uh, I like in this film to start to Star Trek. Uh, you've got the scrolls which really do resemble like, you know, the sort of classic Star Trek characters. They kind of look like Romulans, if you if you've seen if you know what the Romulans are from the first J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek film, they kind of resemble Romulans, but like green Romulans um, mixed with like Thanos' chin, <laughs> I suppose. Um, but beyond that, I think that the fusion of drama and humour really mirrors the sort of J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. And there's other ways as well, but I don't want to go into that side of things too much to avoid, you know, I'm, I'm a bit scared of spoiling it. Plus, you know, yeah. The technology... That uh, everyone uses is actually it's very cleverly designed because what you think of the nineteen nineties or unlike the eighties, you know, sort of like the eighties and nineties, you think of white things that just go boop 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 boop. Like all the technology just seem to be white or silver, and it all just went boop 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 boop. And like the monitors and screens and all all of the gadgets and things, like they are very much like what you'd expect from the nineties so um even though you know you can tell that all of this came from space and is more advanced than the earth technology there's like minor little touches which sort of mesh with what you know where the earth is in the sort of in the 90s with their technology so it it matches up so it doesn't look like just rubbish like just completely crap if you get what i mean like i don't know like it's it's like imagine like um an old Doctor Who episode from like the sixties. If like someone pulled out an iPhone, it would be weird. So, the the sort of like the production design in this film marries up the the time period with with um this with the the advanced daily technology. So it it just all works really well together. It all marries up really well, even though there's contrasting um you know sort of advancements in technology. The aliens are, very, are way more advanced than, than Earth are. Um, I think something else that Marvel films have been nailing solo film-wise is the soundtracks. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes uh, one and two. Um, and then you've got Black Panther, which had the soundtrack that was curated by Kendrick Lamar, it features a, a ton of different artists. And then you have uh, another superhero film, which isn't in the MCU, but you know Spider-Man um, into the Spider-Verse as well. So super films are really starting to like ramp it up with the quality of the soundtracks captain marvel continues that trend it doesn't really have any original vocal music but the licensed tracks that they've managed to acquire are fantastic i'm not going to tell you what they are because they really do like works just so well there's one that was just bopping along to fairly near the end that's all i'll say the actual score itself though is is what really stood out to me the musical orchestral score it's superb genuinely so good it could be my favorite orchestral score out of any of the marvel films it's got vibes of like tron you know like sort of daft punk tron sort of vibes and like you know sort of glimmers of like old video game 8-bit sort of you know like i was saying earlier like beepity boop sort of sounds um very epic techno and electronic vibes throughout the orchestral score it's really genuinely good like you could listen to that itself it's so good i actually remember I, I can't really remember watching tron legacy too much but i remember listening to the soundtrack done by daft punk um and it was all sort of like it was like da- daft punk meets orchestra and it's kind of captain marvel's soundtrack is kind of uh orchestral soundtrack is kind of that's that kind of thing. I've not listened to the soundtrack isolated from the film, but within the film, it works so well. It really gives it a massive scale. Like a, It really does enhance the scale of the film. Something you might not realise from the trailers is that Nick Fury is actually much younger, as is Agent Coulson. The technology that allows Marvel to de-age the characters is just getting better and better. And honestly, there was no point in the film where I felt like it was weird. And... It was really good in the first Ant Man film when they de-aged Michael Douglas, and then again in you know, and they've done they've de-aged Robert Downey Jr. in one of the in one of the films, I think Civil War, um, and the, you know they went on to de-age uh, I think Lawrence Fishburne and again Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer in Ant Man and the Wasp. So the they are really whoever they've got to do it. It maybe, maybe it's like or I'm not sure, but the, whoever they've got to do it is just you know they've paid such close attention to detail and obviously looked at a ton of reference materials from when those actors were acting in the sort of time period that the, the film is set like they always they, they do always look believably younger it's pristine in my opinion and also the makeup on all the characters is really good like very expressive not limiting like the old like elephant man uh, kind of was ben mendelssohn's character for example the, the makeup is so well applied to Him and all of the people with practical makeup on allow you know it really does allow the them to act through it very effectively. I think the performances are really strong across the board. Samuel L. Jackson and Brie Larson are an iconic duo. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of memes everywhere and a ton of like you know fan art where they're like you know I don't know like being all cute and the the, the sort of very hard edged serious man with the plan orientated Nick Fury isn't really what you get here. You get glimmers of it but you'll get a much more sort of fun and rose-coloured spectacled Nick Fury in this film, who is learning on the job, essentially. It's like ultimate work experience. Uh, as far as he knew at this point in time, this is the, the first sort of time that humans have worked with aliens, so he's experiencing something historic in his universe. Brie Larson I've been a fan of since she did Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, where she plays Envy Adams, who's, I suppose, kind of the villain, but there isn't the villain ends up ultimately being someone else. If you've seen the film, you'll get what I'm referring to. And also for her Oscar-winning role in Room, where she stars alongside Jacob Tremblay. She's given the moments in this film to show that great sort of dramatic and comedic range in Captain Marvel. She's she, such a captivating actress. I'm, I am I a massive fan of hers, and I, I just hope she continues to grow and grow and, and do more and more films. Ben Mendelsohn, though, the go-to villain guy, it seems, as of late, is the big standout for me in terms of performances at, uh, in Captain Marvel. If you've seen Rogue One, a Star Wars story, he plays awesome Krennic. I thought, wow, I've not really seen him in too much, but he is so good in this. He's he's had a somewhat, and then he had a somewhat sort of much somewhat menacing role within with limited screen time in The Dark Knight Rises, and then most recently, aside from Captain Marvel, he starred in Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One. I think that with Black Panther and now this, and what they did with Loki over the course of the Thor films and the Avengers films, Marvel have certainly gone down a different route with villains and learned that a villain is just as important as the hero to the story and isn't just a plot device. Ben Mendelsohn... uh, is in Captain Marvel isn't like anything he's, he's done before. It's completely unique to the MCU as well, as far as any character goes. And I will not say why, because, again, I fear spoiling Marvel films, as I would never be the idiot to spoil a Marvel film. You get so much of what you're used to with him being a villain, and a hell of a lot more, and a lot of humour, seriously dry humour, like sort of British dry humour. I know he's, he's Aussie or New Zealand, He's a New Zealander or an, I think he's Australian, yeah but they 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 get that humor and sometimes Americans get dry humor too, but there's he is very very funny uh, a lot of subtleties in his performance and i think apart from obviously you know he get apart from probably the cat uh, goose the cat I'd say he got the biggest laughs uh, at the screening that I went to um yeah, pretty much him. Um, so, yeah, do keep an eye out for... Well, you can't miss Talos. He's such a vital part of the film. But Talos is a genuinely great character. Probably one of my favourite Marvel characters now um, because of what he's brought to it. I think Marvel's got an opportunity to, here to do something along the lines of what DC are doing with Wonder Woman in the sense that, like, yes, Marvel Captain Marvel links up with the Avengers. At some point, that's guaranteed. It's just a case of how... But what Marvel can do here is have Captain Marvel with her own trilogy that is set before the events of Infinity War and Endgame. Wonder Woman uh, obviously had Wonder Woman and and then there's going to be Wonder Woman 1984. And I I can see it just, you know, carrying on from there, uh, at least for another film. So I think Captain Marvel will do something very similar to this. Um, And that's the end of the episode. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe just so, you know, you can help me grow this podcast and get a wider reach. Um, so, pretty please, subscribe. Um, I'm, I'm on a wide range of platforms, all the sort of main ones like Spotify, Apple Podcast, etc. If you go to my Instagram, you can see all of the platforms that I'm on. Um, I, my handle for Twitter and for Instagram is the same. It's at podcast. Um, And please go and check out Captain Marvel. It's out right now, and it'll be on still probably uh, when Avengers Endgame comes out, to be fair, which is a kind of unique situation for Marvel to have where they'll have two films um, on side by side. Um, I've actually done a Marvel and DC film preview for 2019, so skip past the Captain Marvel bit and listen to the rest of it. I'll go into quite a bit of depth about all of those films. There's a ton of... um, Marvel and DC films coming out this year. um, Not just Marvel Studios, but we've also got the X-Men films as well. But you can hear me talk more about that in that preview, if you wish. And cheers very much listening. Bye.